Good morning, all seasons. How's everyone doing on this last day of July? Good, good. I mean, come on now. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. Doing good. You don't have to lie. If you're doing bad, just go ahead and tell me. We'll get you down here. We'll pray right now. Amen? Amen. It's so good to see everybody here this morning, uh, and I'm so, we're so honored to have you. Thank you for joining with us this morning. And so as we come into uh, the last Sunday of July, I want to talk to you guys just for a brief moment about what I'm going to consider a little bit of a heavy topic. And it's a heavy topic because it requires a lot out of each of us. But in doing so, and what we give and what we put in, the return as an investment term, the return is astronomical. And so to start off, let me just ask you this simple question. How many of you have ever heard the old saying, desperate times call for what? Desperate measures. How many of you have ever seen somebody who's desperate? Anybody? Yes, no, maybe? I'll go ahead and tell you a couple of times I've noticed this on TV. Now, I'm a big sports fan. I love to watch sports. And if I'm watching a team play, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, the team could be losing so badly. If it's basketball, the team could be shooting so poorly. Nothing's going in. The coach will look on the very end of his bench to the guy that's never played, has never stepped on the court this season, and he'll go, get in. And if you're watching that game, you're thinking, why are we taking the rookie who's never played? Why are we taking the guy who, who's not even making a million dollars? Why are we taking this guy and putting him in? It's because he's desperately trying to find something that's going to work. Because his star players, his starting players, they're not scoring. They're not doing anything. And so he's desperate for something, so he goes to the guy that nobody's going to play. I've also seen people desperate in this way. I've seen people sell their possessions for a lot less than what they're actually worth. I've seen people sell power tools, even vehicles. I've seen them sell their, their collectibles for far less than they're worth. Why? Because in the moment, they need cash right then, right there. They need the money. They need it quick as possible. And so what do they do? They take the lesser money for the instantaneous. They're desperate. Why would somebody take a car and trade it in for only $1,500? Because they need that cash. They're, they're, they're desperate. There's no other option. I'll share a brief story from my own personal experience. There was a time when Hope and I were going through a, a rough financial patch. Now, we've never been rich. You know, clearly, if, if you, you know, just, you know, I'll be honest, my wife, and she can do it. She is the best thrift shopper around. But her entire wardrobe amounts to like $27.30. She's that good at thrift shopping. Because I'm, you should see her closet. It's full of clothes. But she does it cheap. Hallelujah. But we've never been rich, but we've also never gone without. But there was a time where things got really rough. Things, you know, rubber was about to hit the road and things weren't exactly, I was looking at the numbers, I was balancing everything out and there was a lot more going out than there was coming in. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so Hope, she looked at me, she said, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I guess I'm going to take another job. 
And she was like, what do you mean you're going to take another job? You've already got two jobs. I was working full-time at the time, and I also had a part-time job as well. And so in my mind, I was rationalizing how I was somehow going to make a third job work. And I would just work at night, I guess, and never sleep and just work. But we would, we would make it, though. We would have money. We would survive. And she looked at me dumbfounded, and she was like, you can't take another job. And she was right. It made no sense for me to take a third job. It wasn't going to work out as far as me having time with family, me having time to rest. I was going to drive myself into an early grave very quickly. All for what? Just for a little bit of security. But I was panicking. Desperation makes us panic. When we are desperate in our lives, we begin to scramble around and run around like chickens with their head cut off, trying to find an answer that's going to solve the current problem. It may not make sense. It may look absolutely idiotic, but we're trying to rationalize like, no, you don't understand. I am desperate to get an answer. But because desperation causes us panic, it also causes us to make lots of mistakes. And we have a lot of uh, seller's remorse, so to speak. Sure, you may go ahead and get that cash now that you need, but because you go and you get that cash advance, that sounds great. We'll give you $1,500 today. But when the 200% interest kicks in and you borrowed 15, now you're having to give them three forty-five hundred. It's like, oh man, why, why did I? I was so desperate. I just, I just needed the money then. I just had to get by. I just had to. When we panic, we make mistakes. And so this morning, what I want to present to you is this, is that what if we take our desperation? And what if we channel it in a different way? What if we no longer panic? What if we no longer scramble and try to fix it ourselves? But what if desperation is a good thing? What if desperation can drive us to a different source that instead of us panicking to fix the problems in our own minds, we can instead rely on somebody else to take care of it for us? I want to start with this, James 5, 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. You know this verse. It says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is what I want to focus on, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I think we can all understand what effectual means. Effectual, effective, it's going to go hand in hand. But fervent, that prayer fervent, what does the word fervent mean? When we look at it, we define it as the it's defined as displaying a passionate intensity. So we could read this verse as this, the effectual, intensely passionate prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So what that's saying is that as a righteous man, as a righteous woman this morning, that if you pray and you pray with intense passion, the word of God says that that prayer is going to be effective and successful. Are you following me this morning? 
It's going to be effective and successful through your passionate intensity that you pray. My question this morning is, when was the last time that you prayed with any passion? When was the last time you had intensity in your prayer? I'll be honest, I do not pray passionately over my food. I do not weep over the blessing of my food. I say, Father, thank you for this food. Thank you for the, the blessings and the favor that you show my family. In Jesus' name, amen, let's eat. I do not show passion when I'm praying a prayer over my kids to have a good night's sleep. I just pray, Father, I pray that as they sleep, that they sleep peacefully, that they would have the sweetest of dreams, that they would rest throughout the night, especially throughout the night. In Jesus' name, Father, if you didn't hear me one more time, throughout the night, in Jesus' name, amen. Because me and Mama are tired. <laughs> but I don't pray passionately. However, when something comes up in my life that backs me into a corner, that gets me in a place where I am desperate for an answer, that's when my passion begins to kick up. You see, I'm not going to pray passionately for small things, little things. The intensity will not be there. The intensity is just not the same. I mentioned I'm a sports fan. If you ever want to know what I'm talking about, go look at the All-Star game and go look at the NBA Finals. You tell me who's playing with more intensity. It's when the stakes are higher. It's when the desperation is there, knowing we have to win this game. We have to get through this. We have to accomplish this, that the passion and the intensity kicks in. That is when it steps in. Can you pray passionately? Have you ever prayed with intensity? Have you ever prayed with passion? If not, I believe you are lacking a key element in your prayer life with God. And in doing so, I feel like you are missing out on breakthrough in your life. Can I show you what I mean in Scripture? In the book of Luke, chapter 11, I found this story the other day, and I love it. It cracks me up. It's hilarious. Verse 5. This is Jesus telling a parable, and he says, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend? Who has a friend? Okay, four of you. All right. Guys, y'all got to talk to people. Be friendly. Who has a friend? We all have friends. Whether it's your spouse, your co-workers, your siblings, we all have friends. And he said, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight? And he will say to him, friend, give me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within the house, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you. Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, you probably instantly recognize that small little verse of Scripture 
Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. Most of us recognize it from Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, 7, ask and you receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open unto you. But I like the way that Luke does it better. And here's why I like it better. Matthew does not include this parable in his gospel. He just skips right into it. Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. But Luke says, I need to provide some context to what Jesus was saying. So let's look at this parable. So let's look at this parable. You've got two guys, they're best buds, and so the guy has a friend come over in the middle of the night. Now, it was just common courtesy when somebody came to visit you that you set a plate before them. Welcome to our home. But he realizes, I have nothing to give him, and so he runs to his friend's house, knocks on the door. It's the middle of the night, and he says, I need you to lend me three loaves of bread so that I can take it back home, and I can show courtesy to my friend who's shown up on a journey. Now the man inside the house says, what are you doing here? It's the middle of the night and you're knocking on my door asking for bread. Now i got to be honest with you, I understand the man in the house. If I was in bed, my children were in bed and somebody came knocking on my door and they said, Chase, can I borrow some bread? I'd say, go away. Now I'm not giving you bread right now. I'm, I'm in bed, my kids are in bed, you know. And I like how Luke explains this. He says it's not because they're friends he's going to give them the bread. He didn't give him bread because they were friends. He gave him bread because of the impudence of his friend. Now, if you don't know what impudence means, allow me to define it to you. Impudence means his perseverance. It's not because they were best buddies that he got up out of bed, disturbed his kids, got them bread, and took it to the door. That's not why he did it. It's not because they're friends. It's because the one guy knocking wouldn't stop knocking. He wouldn't go away. He was being that guy. He was just, hey, I still need bread. Are you up yet? Are you there? Did you hear me? Bread. Three loaves exactly. Are you coming? Are you coming? And in about 10 minutes of that, the guy's like, fine, I'm giving him bread so he'll leave me alone. But that's an amazing concept that Jesus lays out before us. Because when we think about Matthew 7, 7, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock it when it will be open unto you, this parable brings more context to that. It's not just about asking and receiving. It's not just about seeking and finding. It's not just about knocking in the door. It's about the, per the perseverance of the asking. It's about the continuation of the knocking. It's about the nonstop looking and you will finding. It's not this thing where, okay, God, you said ask and you will receive, so I'm going to ask one time. No. I'm going to knock one time. I'm going to look for it one time. No, Jesus is explaining through this parable, if you will continue to knock, if you will continue to ask, if you will continue to look, you're going to find everything you need. You're going to receive everything you need. You're going to, the door is going to be open to you for everything that you need. It is the perseverance, and perseverance comes out of desperation. When you are desperate, you will persevere. When you are desperate, you will push through. When you are desperate, you will do whatever it takes to get what you need. Amen? Amen. 
And so the man, he has no other place to get bread, so he is knocking not to be annoying, not to be a bad friend, not to be just an an absolute, you know, he's knocking because he is desperate to get what he needs. And it is because of the desperation and the perseverance that he is given what he needs. Are you understanding me this morning? When we can exhibit the same perseverance in our lives, when we can get desperate enough for what God has for us and what we need, what we're asking of, if we can persevere, it will be given to us. Amen? Well, allow me to show you another parable that's similar to this one. Maybe you, maybe you need two stories to convince you. Let's go again to Luke it's going to be chapter 18, starting with verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And this is what he said. He said, in a certain town there was a judge. And this judge, he, he neither feared God nor he cared what people thought about him. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, this judge refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Here we have another circumstance. We have a woman and she has been wronged by somebody in town. And so she's going to this judge and saying, judge, I need you to grant me justice. And the judge doesn't care. The judge doesn't want to hear the case. And he just keeps telling her to go away. Go away. Resolve it on your own. Do what you get. But she keeps coming back every day and saying, grant me justice. Grant me justice. Grant me justice. And finally, the judge says, you know what? To get her to stop asking me, I'm going to give her justice. Because of her desperation linked arm in arm with her perseverance, she got what she was looking for. I hope that you're understanding this this morning. I'm going to give you a a, a life experience story now. I'm going to go to our third story. Sometimes when I go to the drive-thru and I'm ordering me some chicken nuggets, I ask for sauce. You know what happens? Sometimes I don't get my sauce. Now, in my frustration, I'm like, how hard is it? It's on a screen inside, and it says, two packs of barbecue sauce. How do you look at the screen, look at the bag, see no barbecue sauce, and hand it to me anyways? Boggles my mind. But I'm not here to criticize the fast food industry. Sometimes in my frustration, when I open the bag, I'm looking, making sure everything's right. I don't find the barbecue sauce. I drive off anyways. Now, why? Well, why? Why would I drive off and just eat bland nuggets? Because sometimes I don't think it's worth the hassle for me to back up or go through the line again, knock on the window, ask for my sauce, get it, and then go. I just go, you know what? I'll just do without it. 
and I drive home. Anybody else ever just kind of got frustrated? You're like, oh, whatever. It's not, it's not worth the hassle. It's not worth it. It's not worth my time and effort for two packs of barbecue sauce. And so we just drive on home. How many of us do the same thing when it comes to God? We say, God, I want this, and we don't immediately get it the first time. And we go, you know what, that's fine, I'll just do without it. And we leave. We leave the church. We leave our prayer closet. We just say, you know what, bland nuggets it is. Who needs barbecue sauce? Some of you have been praying and asking God for healing, and you haven't got it. And you said, you know what, who needs healing? Disease it is, sickness it is, I'll just live with it. I'll live with it. I'll live with the pain. I'll live with the addiction. I'll live with the bondage in my life. I will just deal with it because it's not worth the hassle to keep asking. But can I tell you, if I went back to that drive through window and I knocked on that window and they said, what you want? Because that's how they talk to me. I don't know about y'all. They look, what you want? Go ahead. That's why I love Chick-fil-A. My goodness. That's just, that's just the Lord's restaurant. Amen. They're just like, how may I take your order today? We're so blessed to have you. And I'm like, guys, come be church greeters. Come be our church greeters. <laughs> if I go back and I knock on that window and I say, can I have my barbecue sauce? What are they going to say? They're going to say yes. They may say we're all out. I don't know. But hopefully they say, yes, here you go. Here's your barbecue sauce. <clears throat> when I persevere, when I decide it is worth the hassle, it is worth the energy, it is worth the effort, then I find that I'm going to get what I want. Has anybody ever been behind somebody in the grocery store? I'm not talking bad about nobody. I'm just making an example. And they're a couponer. Come on, church. You're standing behind them, and all you've got is a gallon of milk. That's all you came in here to buy. But you've got somebody ahead of you who's going, now I know they're in here somewhere. And they're digging through their wallet, their purse, and they pull out 30 stacks of paper. And they go, well, this one's for the eggs, this is for the chicken breast, and this is for the milk, and this is for the, the cereal, and this. And you're just like, oh, I'm just going to pay for it myself so I can get out of here in Jesus' name. I'm just going to be a blessing today, but it's not going to be joyful. I'm just going to do it so I can go. You think they want to sit there and comb through coupons every day in, in the newspaper and cut them out? No, but what are they doing? They're trying to go through the effort so that they can get the return in the long run. It sounds like a lot of work to me, but $200 groceries compared to $75 groceries, hey, that's a good return. But some of us would rather just accept the convenience of quick and easy. It's quicker if I just go and just pay full price or do this or do that instead of trying to put the effort and energy into trying to do all this extra work. And the same thing can be said for our prayer, our prayer life with God. I want to share just 
I want to share one more thing with you, one more story, and then I want to kind of get to the, uh, the climax of this sermon. Because I, 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 when this praise team got up here and they were worshiping, you know what they were doing? They were setting the atmosphere. They were setting the atmosphere. If you were standing at your seat and you were praising and worshiping God, can I tell you what you were doing? You were setting the atmosphere. Chase, what are we setting the atmosphere for? Breakthrough. Miracles. That's been my prayer as I have prepared for this sermon is, is God, give us a morning of miracles. Let us see the impossible. Let us see breakthrough. But it's all going to come down to whether or not you show the desperation and the perseverance. I'm not talking with, and here's the thing, I'm just going to say this very briefly. During the altar call earlier, I saw a few of you down here. But there's a lot more who didn't come because you have accepted where you are. You have said, where I am is where I'll be. And where I be is where I'll stay. Because you do not want to put in the effort it takes to see God change your life. When these altars open up again at the end of this service, it's going to be very clear to me who wants the breakthrough from God and who doesn't. We'll get to that in a moment, but I want to share one more story with you, if you'll allow me. There were two homeless men, both standing on the side of the road. They both had their cardboard sign, and on both signs it said, Hungry, anything helps. God bless you. And day after day, they stood there with these two signs, and cars drove by. Day after day, cars drove by. Nobody stopped, stopped, nobody honked, nobody even threw a quarter at them. Nothing. Until finally, one day, this small little pickup truck pulls off on the side of the road. Thing looks like it was rolled right out of a junker. But it pulls over, and the engine cuts off, and the door swings open, and out hops this short little old man. And he walks up to the two homeless men, and he looks them up and down, studies them for a minute, and goes, you'll do, follow me. And they just stand there just flabbergasted by what this old man's talking about. And he turned back around and noticed their confusion. He said, listen, he said, I'm old. I can't climb ladders like I used to. When I ride my lawnmower, it hurts my back. And because of my arthritis, I can't do the things around the house that I'd still like to. But if you'll come work for me, I'll make you dinner. The two homeless men looked at each other, and one of them backed away and got back in his spot along the road and held his sign back up. He said, I'll just wait for the next car to come by. The other homeless man said, okay, fine, I'll go with you. And he hopped in the little pickup truck, and they drove on down the road. They came to the old man's house, and that day that homeless man climbed ladders to clean out gutters all day long. When he was done with the gutters, the old man said, I, my yard needs mowed. So he hopped on the little mower, and he rode it around the yard, cut all his grass. After he had done that, he said, listen, son, he said, my little fence right here, the door, the hinges have, the hinges have come off. Do you think you can put some new hinges on it? Fix my gate. Homeless man said, yeah, I can do that. And so he fixed it. Son had gone down by then. He went inside the house. The old man brought to him a plate, had a grilled steak on it, baked potato, a glass of ice cold water. Homeless man just dug right in. 
He just dove in. He was eating it. He drunk all the water. He ate every bit of that steak and baked potato. And the old man sat down and he said, you're a good worker. I like you. He said, now listen, I've got a spare room if you're interested. And if you'll work for me every day, I'll cook you dinner every night. Moral of the story is this. Sometimes it takes some energy, some effort, some motivation to get what we're asking for. The other guy back on the side of the road, he just sat there and waited for somebody to come by and maybe touch him. Somebody to come by and maybe throw him a five, maybe a ten if he's lucky. Just hoping something would happen. Some of you enter this building every single week and you're hoping God will just sweep I don't, know, I don't know if you're hoping that, you know, somebody just, just put, does like Benny Hinn and takes off his jacket and just swings it over the crowd and everybody falls out in the spirit and you get healed in that moment. Can I tell you, Benny Hinn's not walking in here because Benny Hinn doesn't need to walk in here. Some of you are waiting to bring in an evangelist and for the evangelist to start walking down the aisles and to look at you and go, you, you need to be healed, don't you? Yes, I do. You're healed in Jesus' name. Guys, you don't need an evangelist to come down here. You're waiting. You're waiting for something. You're waiting for anything. Just waiting. Just waiting. Just waiting. And how is the waiting game treating you so far? How is it helping your situation so far? But can I tell you that if you would get desperate in your need... The desperation would draw the perseverance out of you, and you could see your breakthrough today. I'm not talking about a 90-day journey. I'm not talking about stay with us for 120 days, and at the end, you'll have your breakthrough. I'm not promoting that. I'm promoting the God of the Bible that I read. Can I tell you, I've been, I've been rereading the Gospels over the past several weeks. Wow. And I'm reading it, and I'm literally saying wow to myself while I'm reading it. I'm reading, and I'm seeing where, where there was a man who was blind, and Jesus healed him just with spit and faith. I'm seeing stories of dead men who were brought back to life, paraplegics who got up and walked. People finding money in a fish just so that they could pay they're taxes. I'm seeing stories uh, of people fishing and bringing on two boats worth of fish on one catch. A miracle. And I'm going, wow, this is incredible. Why are we not seeing this today? Why are we not seeing this today? And I felt grieved by it, church. Because the God that did that back then is still the same God today. Can we all agree, amen? Do I have your attention this morning, yes or no? What I'm trying to say, it's not Spanish, it's not Chinese, it's not something foreign you don't understand. It's just something you have to decide. Do I want to put myself in the position to receive what God has for me? Are you willing to persevere? Are you willing to push through? 
Are you willing to stay when nobody else stays and to pray when nobody else prays, to worship when nobody worships, to do what you've got to do? Is there anybody here who's like the woman with the issue of blood who said, I'll get on my hands and knees and I'll crawl through a crowd of hundreds of people if it means I can just touch the hem of his garment? It may not be much, but I have faith that if I can just, if I can just be desperate enough to get out of my house, to get out of my chair, and to crawl and get to him, I guarantee he can heal me. Church, if I told you that every person who crawled to this altar this morning would be healed, how many would come down on their hands and feet? It's all about desperation. It's all about persevering. Does anybody here desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If I told you that if you walked down to these altars this morning that you would instantly be filled, how many of you would come down here? It may not happen the first time you ask. It may not happen in 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes. It may take a while. The old church used to pray all night. They used to pray for hours on end until they saw the glory, until they saw the goodness of God come down. But in our state of convenience, if it does not happen now, then I'm okay with it not happening at all. If it does not happen under the circumstances that I have set forth, then I don't care for it. Do I have anybody here who's like a Hannah, who can, say, who can stay at the altar and weep and cry and weep and cry for day after day, hour after hour. And when people begin to look at you, don't worry about them. You just continue to cry out to God and cry out to the God who can put a baby in the womb of a mother who was barren. Do I have anybody like a Hannah this morning who can do what they've got to do to get what they need? Do I have anybody like blind Bartimaeus this morning? Blind Bartimaeus was sitting there on the side of the road, blind his entire life, and he heard something. He heard somebody go, there's Jesus, Jesus is here. And blind Bartimaeus began to scream out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David. And the people around him said, be quiet, shut up, shut up. He said, Jesus, I'm going to get louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. What was he doing? He said, Jesus is here, and I'm not letting my moment pass by. I'm not going to let the moment slip by without I get what I came for. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus is here this morning. Don't let your moment slip by. Don't let this go without you even trying to get what you have come for this morning. Do I have any children of Israel here this morning who are facing a wall taller than Jericho? And the answer is not there for you. You feel like you've been marching around walls day after day, week after week. You've been blowing your trumpet of praise for years now, and you have not seen the smallest crack in that wall. If I told you that if you came down here and let out a shout of praise, you would have breakthrough, how loud would you shout? How high would you jump? How fast would you run? Would he get your desperate praise? Would he get your desperate prayer? Would you push and persevere until you had the answer in hand? Some of us, we give up. We give up for our breakthrough.
we stop. There's one more story I want to share. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him. And he went before him crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows, and he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow, and he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands, and he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians in effect until you have made an end of them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them, he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground with them. And he struck three times, and he did what? He stopped. Then the man of God, Elisha, was angry with them and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you're only going to strike them down three times. It's a classic story of giving up before your breakthrough, of losing your perseverance. Some of you, I know that you've been dealing with it for years. I know you've been praying for years. I know you've been asking for so long. You think you have become a redundant, just you, you sound like a tape recorder at this point. And you're thinking, God, what's the point? There is a point. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. Strike the ground and don't stop until you see total victory in your life. Strike the ground. Strike the ground until everything else around you, everybody else has stopped, nobody else, strike the ground. And when you see victory, then you can stop. When you see breakthrough, then you can stop. But don't stop until then. When the Israelites were shouting, they didn't stop shouting until the wall was on the ground. Don't stop shouting. The woman with the issue of blood, she didn't stop crawling until she had touched the hem. And the Bible says she felt. She felt the flow stop. Don't stop. Don't stop crawling. Don't stop reaching until you know that you've been healed. Blind Bartimaeus, he did not stop screaming. He did not stop yelling until finally he felt the arms of two men grabbing him. And he said, where are you taking me? He said, to Jesus. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop shouting. Don't stop searching. Don't stop asking. Strike the ground. At this time, if I could have some music, praise team, whoever, however. This is what I want to do, church, for this morning. I've been praying, and I've been asking, and I've been saying, God, there's going to be people in this church this morning who have needs. They need something from you. They need healing. They need a miracle. They're praying for a lost loved one. They're praying for an addiction or a bondage to be broken. Some of them need an open door. 
But there's going to be people here in need of something. My question to you is this this morning. Can you persevere to get it? Are you even desperate? Are you even desperate? Are you even desperate this morning? If you're not, that's fine. Stay where you're seated. I'm not here to force anybody into anything. I'm talking to the ones who are thinking right now to themselves, there's no other way out. There's no other way out. Can I share an opinion with you? Just an opinion. But I think it's very well-founded. I love hearing stories of mission trips from foreign countries. Countries that are not predominantly Christian like America is, supposedly. I love hearing stories. You want to know why I love hearing stories? Because miracles pop up everywhere on these mission trips. I have watched the demonic be liberated. I have watched healings take place. I have watched blind eyes open. And I come back home to the States and I see our church services and I see what's going on. I go, God, why? Why? Why is it that we see miracles over here? We see breakthrough in your hand move over here. But back here at home, we don't see it like we used to. Very clearly, I heard the Holy Spirit say one time, we are not desperate. If some of you are sick or you need healing this morning, you can come down and you can ask for healing. And if God doesn't heal you, we just go to the doctor. The doctor fixes it. Now, I love doctors. Doctors are a great blessing. Absolutely. I'm not. We come down here. We need a miracle. We don't get it. We go fix it ourselves. What are you trying to say? Over there, these other countries, not near as advanced as we are, don't have hospitals and doctors don't have government programs to help them. You know what they have? Faith in God. And that's it. That's all they have. So when a missionary shows up (laughs) and says, I'll pray for anybody here to be healed, watch out. Because they've got the faith of a mountain. Because that's all they have. Because they're so desperate. They're so desperate. And they persevere. And they wait outside schoolhouses and tents and buildings by the hundreds just to maybe hear a sound clip of the gospel being preached because they're so desperate for God to move. Are you desperate this morning? I am. I'm desperate to see you get what you want. I desperately want to see God move in your life this morning. But are you at that point yet in your life? If you will, stand with me. You've been sitting for a while, time to stretch your legs. 
It's a very simple altar call this morning. It's very easy. You don't have to sit there and debate it back and forth. Easiest one, two, three. Do you desperately need God to do something in your life? If the answer is yes, the atmosphere has been set, Jesus is here, you can have what you need this morning. you come down to these altars, please don't stay 30 seconds and then leave. Don't stay for a minute and then leave. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that through the power and the authority of your Spirit, chains can be loosed. Healings can take place. Lives can be changed. Your word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Your word says that by your stripes we are healed. Your word says that where two or more are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. 